James chapter 4. Don't want to keep you too long tonight. <laughs> uh, anyway, James chapter 4. That was supposed to be a joke. Anyway. James chapter 4. In verse 13 it says this, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. That appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's just pray and ask God's favor on our meeting tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. I pray, Father, you just bless the preaching of your Word. Lord, guide and direct. And... Uh, we love to hear from heaven tonight, Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I had preached a message out of this verse up in Waterford. You know, I was gone about a month ago. And what made me preach the message, what directed me to this verse of Scripture, was that it was 9-11. It was September 11th, and it fell on a Sunday. And uh, we all know what happened on September 11, 2001, over in America. And it made me think um, how precious life is and how quickly it can be snuffed out. We never know what a day holds, you know. So um, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Uh, originally, I, I was praying in uh, our sitting room. I just said goodbye to Cass. She had gone. I was getting ready to go to the office, leave right after her. But I, was, I decided to pray in my sitting room. And it's very quiet and dripsy. So, uh, I mean, you can hear everything. I, I feel like I can hear a mouse sneeze, really. It's so quiet out there. But I was, I was on my knees, and I was just praying, and uh, I heard the clock ticking on the wall. In fact, it was the one that Hanes made us. It was like loud, you know. I was like, wow. But I realized that as I was kneeling in prayer, the time was just going by. And there was nothing I could do to stop it. Now, I don't know why I thought that way, I guess. Um, it just caught my attention that we can't get time back. Once it's gone, it's gone. And uh, as I listened to the clock tick, I realized that time was going past. Now, you're not always doing what God wants you to do as the time is going past. It was nice to be on my knees, to be praying right before I walked out the door. Um, but it made me think of just how Precious every moment we have is. We never know when uh, this life is going to be over. So when I preached the message up in Waterford, it was on September 11th, I thought, who goes to work thinking a plane's going to bash into their building, you know? Uh, who plans for that? I'll tell you who should plan for anything, and that's the Christian. We should always be aware that time is slipping past. And... Uh, you know, here I was talking to the teens, in fact, uh, not too many Saturdays ago, uh, out of this verse. And uh, I told them, I asked them, are you planning God into your future? You know, you're thinking about the future and the schools you're going to go to and maybe your employment and all these different things, but are you planning God into that? Where is God in all your plans? And Christian, I can ask you tonight, 
you may be thinking about tomorrow. You may be making plans for years down the road. There's nothing to matter with retirement planning and what am I going to do five years from now? Where do I see myself in employment and all these different things? But where's God in all that? Are, are you asking God, Lord, show me what you want me to do, what you want me to be? Where should I be in five years in my walk with you? And we just don't want to plan God out of our future. Because in the verse here in 13, it says, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. We just make our plans and we decide what we're going to do. And have we ever consulted God? Have we ever asked God, What do you want me to do, Lord? Because we don't know what's coming on tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. It's just a vapor. Our whole lives are just a vapor. It's just a mist over the teapot. It's here and it's gone. And there's not a thing you can do to change the fact that there's going to be a time when you leave this earth, when you die. But you don't know when that is. And uh, since our life is so short, verse 15 says, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? What, what, what are you calling me to do? You know, I really believe there could be more people called into ministry in the church and some more people would just be in tune to saying, God, what do you want for my life? What do you really want for my life? And start raising their hands and volunteering instead of backing off and, you know, just volunteer. You know, many a young person asked me when I was on deputation to come to Ireland. Uh, they would ask me afterwards, they want to talk to the missionary, how did you, how did you get called and how did you know you were going to Ireland? And they ask all those questions. And what about me? Could I be used of God? And I said, absolutely you can be used of God. Well, how do I know if God's calling? And, I said, look, you just walk with God. You stay close to your pastor. You get counsel from your parents. And you do this and you do that. And, you know, step out for God. Start doing some things just for God. Because I told them that God can close doors as well as open them. So if He doesn't want you to go here or there, He'll shut the door and open another one. But plan God into that. Ask God what He wants to do in your life. God's not going to let you go down the wrong road wrong road if you're truly searching and seeking him to know what to do and in, in, maybe in full-time ministry i believe there's teens right in this church that god may have wanted to use you maybe you've said no i'm not going to do that but you know let god shut the window let god shut the door let god open the doors in your life but get on board and start serving the lord and making him a part of your present day living and your future frankly he bought this life, and He bought your life. He owns me. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. So really, what say do I have over my life? I, I, what say I have over my life is, Lord, I want to yield my life to You. I want You to take control of my life. I don't know how many years I have. But the years I do have, I give them to You, and, and You direct them for me. For that You ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Nobody wants to wind up at the end of the road, at the end of their life, with regret that they never served God, that they never asked God, what did you want from my life? The young people that are here really need to seek the will of God. They really need to say, "What, God, what do you want to do with my life? How can I serve you? And God may direct you into a ministry or God may direct you into a, uh, employment, long-term employment in your life and I don't know. God needs Christian carpenters as well as He needs preachers. You know? 
And uh, whatever you're doing for the Lord, whatever you're doing for employment, as long as you're doing it to the glory of God, as long as God is exalted and lifted up. But you know the Bible says here, therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, it is sin. I don't think we take that seriously. There are things that we know that we should be doing that are good, and we don't do them. What have we just done? We've sinned. We've sinned. Because that's not walking by faith. Whatsoever is not his faith is sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, makes a decision, I am not going to do what God wants me to do. They've just sinned. You see? Go back to Galatians chapter um, 6. Hopefully I've got my... Galatians chapter 6. you were thinking of doing good, today would be a good day to do it. We are frail creatures at best. I mean, we think we can do all these different things, but without God, we can do nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Not a little bit, nothing. That, that, that exalts the Savior anyway. In Galatians chapter 6, and in verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of God. So, I'm sorry, the household of faith. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. All men. So, whether Tony's going out for 12 weeks to freedom and the people with him and going out and knocking on doors trying to get people into the RU, or you're just knocking on doors, handing out tracts, or in the supermarket, or whatever you're doing, do it unto all men. Now, one of the things we should be doing is witnessing, is sharing our faith, is talking to people about Jesus Christ, is making Saturdays where we have planned visitation, the time where I am going to go down to the activity center, and I'm going to go out and knock on doors. That's a good thing, wouldn't you say? Would you say that's a good thing? To go and, and give someone a track that could change their eternal destiny? Would you say that's a good thing? That somebody might get saved and never have to go to hell? I'd say that's a good thing. But for him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. So we know we should do it. So every time we don't share our faith, every time we back off from that, and it feels a little bit uncomfortable, and your collar gets a little tight, and your flesh says, uh-uh. You've just now sinned. Because you've not followed the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I don't think I'm preaching out of line. I think the Bible's saying, if, if, if you know to do good and you don't do it, you've sinned. And I know sharing my faith and talking to others about Jesus Christ is a good thing. And if I'm not doing it, then I need to get on my knees and, and confess that sin of something that I, I know I should do and I don't do it. It's always going to be there in my heart. That I've never shared my faith. I've never handed someone a tract. I never talked to anybody once about Jesus Christ. That's something that you can do that's good. And we're not doing it. We don't know how much time we have. And then, and then we want our unsaved family. We want them to be saved. But we wouldn't tell anyone about Jesus Christ. We wouldn't want somebody to go to my brother over in New Mexico 
I want somebody to knock on the door. I'm always praying for them. I share my faith with others. I want to see my brother saved. I want somebody to knock on his door and tell him about Jesus Christ. With that said, turn to uh, Psalm 90. Psalm 90. The brevity of time. I mean, I, I believe that the, um, the title of this message was TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. TikTok. Or Times Are Wasting. I don't know. I had five or six different titles, I guess. But the whole idea was that I don't, I only have the time God gives me. And uh, I can't get it back once it's gone. In Psalm 90, the Bible says in verse 1, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever Thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in Thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past and as a watch in the night. You know, God's a little bit different than we are. God is outside of time. A thousand years as is yesterday. You know, he says a thousand, what is it? A thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. Because God is outside of time. But we are in time. And while we're sitting here, time is just going past. And we're in a good place. We're right where we should be. But what are we doing with the time that God has given us, whether we're going to work or when we're in the shopping center, or when we're talking to the people in the shopping center, are we sharing our faith? Are we trying to be the best Christian that we can be? Are we redeeming the time? That's a good good verse we may look out. But He is an eternal God. He's an all-powerful God. He's the Creator. And He's outside of time. And verse 5 says, Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. That's man. For we are consumed by thine anger. And by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee. Our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are compass, are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Hey, if we have 70 years, God says, I'll give you 70 years. That's a good average. Some live to 50. Some live to 80 or 90. But you know what? If you live past 70 and you're in your 80s or 90s, it's all labor and sorrow. There's nothing easy about it anymore. There's nothing easy about just getting out of bed sometimes. It gets hard to get up and move around when you're 80 and 90 years old. But God gives us 70 years. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore, 80 years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. We just don't have a whole lot of time on this earth. Thankfully, it stretches out in 24-hour periods. But you know, when you look back, I don't know where 61 years has gone. I really don't. Now, I hope I've filled some of that time up after being saved where God's gotten some glory in my life. But I don't know. God only says i got nine more. And if I have 
more than that, then it's going to be labor and sorrow. It's not going to be as easy as it was when I was 18 or 19 or 20 years old. It's going to be different. You know, I had it calculated out how many years you get from 0 to 70. I think it was 25,000. 25,000 days it turns out to be. That sounds like a lot. But you know how many days I got left? 3,285. What happened to the other ones? <laughs> Where's the 21,000 at? If I live to be 70, I only have 3,200 days. You think about that. Now, some of you, you have about 16,000. You might have, some of us are on borrowed time, aren't we? Amen? Thank God that we have today. Because I can't buy back tomorrow. But I have today to serve the Lord. You know, the Bible says in verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. He wants us to seek wisdom. If you're not reading your Bible, if you're not studying your Bible, I believe that's sin. It's something that God says is good. It's good to read our Bible. Apply our hearts unto wisdom so that we know the mind of God about what He wants us to do with our lives. That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom to be wise. We ought to be reading our Bibles. The Bible says to study to show thyself approved unto God. We were discipling uh, uh, Gavin this afternoon. and The new Bibles don't have study, do they? They think they have read or take a look at. You know, all these goofy words they use. Where the Bible says study to show thyself approved unto God. It's not enough to read your Bible. You can read your four chapters and be out in 20 minutes and not know one thing that you've read. Read through the book of Colossians. You'll be out the door in 15 minutes. But what did you learn? It'd be better for you to read two verses and be on your knees praying about it, meditating about it, and putting it into your life. Now you're studying your Bible. I wonder how many people are studying their Bible. It's not just for a preacher. That's for sure. We all should be studying. This is for all of us. So teach us to number our days. To see that I have 3,200 left that God's given me to 70. That's how much I have left. Hey, that young one there, Connor, he's got thousands, man. But I'll tell you what, you better train him up to know the Lord so that he can apply his heart to wisdom and follow God and plan God into his life. Amen? Turn over to Ephesians chapter um, 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we got beat up pretty good in the month of uh, September. You know, talk about love not the world, because we all kind of like realized a lot of things that we love in this world. It's seemingly more than God. And how we spend a lot of time with them, and not as much time with God. So, I don't want to beat anybody up, but as we read this, and look at this, try to read it with your, with your life in mind. This, the book is speaking to us. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 7. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. With who? Those in verse 6. The children of disobedience. Okay? Those that are out there sinning. They're idolaters and filthiness of the world out there. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness. That's a good. That's good. That's in the past. 
We were sometimes darkness. But now are ye light the Lord walk as children of light? God shine His light into my life and into your life if you're saved. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's the explanation of walking as a children of light. That the fruit of the Spirit in our lives will be goodness, doing good, and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And there's not a person in here that's saved that can't prove what is acceptable unto the Lord by reading the Bible and knowing what God approves of and what He disapproves of. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Show them for the shame that they are. Don't be afraid to reprove the works of darkness. Sometimes that's hard for the church today. It's hard for people who might be in the flesh and carnal. It's hard for them to reprove what they're partaking of. You can't do it. But when you're backing away from that stuff and you're living for Jesus Christ, then it's easy to see what see it for what it is and reprove it. I'm not going to do that. That's not for the Christian. I'm going to. I'm not going to partake of those things. I'm going to show them for what they are. They're against God and they're darkness. Verse 12 says, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. It's not done in secret anymore, is it? We certainly are in a world that seems worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. At least they had a city. They did it there. And pretty much it was in that city over there. Now it's everywhere. In your face. They're running for president. They're running for office. They hold high office. Wicked darkness in people's hearts. It's those things which are done to them in secret. Now they're in the light. They're all over. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And the light is in us. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Wake up! Church, rub your eyes. Stand up. Shake your clothes. And get ready to get in the fight. Know the truth. Know the will of God. Awake thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. I think the same thing is said in Romans chapter 13. Let me just read it for you if you want to go over there. Romans chapter 13. In verse 11. Look what it says in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. Romans 13, 11, That knowing the time, and now it is high time, and it is, to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. It's time to go home soon. The night is far spent. There's a lot of time gone past, you see. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness and in strife and in envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Who's he talking to? Christians. Christians, this isn't to the world. This is to the church at Rome. Let us walk honestly, not in rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness, all these sexual sins and loose living. Not in strife and envying. Put on Jesus. 
Wrap yourself up in the cloak of Jesus Christ. In His servanthood. In His righteousness. Put Jesus on. And it will be hard to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Wake up. Put on the armor of light. Back in Ephesians chapter 5, and in verse 14 it says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So those that are not paying attention to what's going on around them, for Christians to go out into the world and, and not see the darkness and, and shine their light and wake up and not partake of those things, they're fools. And they'll answer to God. We'll all answer to God. For not, for not planning Him into our day. For not planning Him into our life. Walk circumspectly. That means look around you. Pay attention to what's around you. And don't be a fool. Be wise. What do, I, what do I want to do as a wise man? Redeeming the time. Buy back as much as you can. Now, you can't take back what's gone. It's water under the bridge. But you can make the most of the time that you have. Right now. That's redeeming the time. Every second I have. Now look, we relax sometimes and we work sometimes. I'm talking about when we know we can do something. When we know we can partake in a ministry. When we know we can work in Sunday school. When we know that we can come and help out in Bible club. When we know we can go out Saturday soul winning. And we choose not to do it. We're not redeeming the time. It's a good work. It's something that we should do. And it helps push back the darkness a little bit until Jesus comes. Walk circumspectly, not as fools. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We live in an evil day. It's a wicked world out there. I mean, your home is like a piece of heaven. When we come to church, it's like a piece of heaven. Just a little slice of heaven. But when you go out there, they don't care about God. Their thoughts aren't on God. They don't care if their families walk with God. For the most part, it's a lost, decaying, dark world out there. And they need Jesus Christ. And we're to redeem the time. How do you do that? Give it all to God. God, this is your time. This is your life. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So if I only know I have so much time, and I'm going to redeem the time, I should know what the will of the Lord is for my life. And there's not one person in here that can't know the will of God for their life. If you don't know it, it's because you've never asked them. God, what do you want for my life? The only reason I knew to come to Ireland was because God just laid it all out there as I tried to obey and walk with Him and I want to be a missionary. I'll go. And He calls you. Then He narrows it down to the field and He just kind of puts it all out there. Doesn't He, Andrew? And He he lets you know what His will is. And some of it He went... And then He opened up another door over here. Because God loves you. And He wants you to follow Him. He wants you to walk with Him. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You don't have to be drunk with wine to be under the control of something other than God. We may not be drinking wine, but there could be something else that has, that has control of our life, and it's not God. But I guarantee you this, the moment you let go of those things that may be in control of your life, God automatically fills that void. 
Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. That's a command. But be filled with the Spirit. He just fills that empty vacuum. The Holy Spirit will fill when you confess and you get yourself cleaned up, you walk away from those things that are controlling your time, the Holy Spirit now takes over and begins to direct your life. Turn back to James chapter 4. We'll try to tie this up. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. You know not what shall be on the morrow. We really don't know what tomorrow holds. Just like that preaching there on 9-11. Those people went to work that day. They had no idea what was coming. And those tragedies are happening all over the world now, aren't they? I mean, you can't go get a cup of coffee in a cafe without being blown up without children being sent in or women being sent in with vests on and, and blowing people up. and I mean, it's a horrible world we live in where, where police can't be police anymore. They've got targets on their back over there in America. And we may feel like we're buffered. We do. We feel like we're on this little island here and things aren't quite as bad as they are around the world. It'll be coming here too. There's no place you can hide. Hide in Christ. We don't know what is on the mar. And our life is short. We don't know what's coming. Our life is short. Teach us to number our days. So what shall we do? We should be wise. We should redeem the time. And uh, I had one more. And I just, oh, and do good. Do good. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Look, we just don't know how many days that we have. Amen? And uh, the, the days we do have, we're frail at best. We do what we can to try to help and um, and serve the Lord, but uh, we don't always we don't always get it done. But God is waiting for us to just give Him each and every second of our life, and uh, let Him be in control. Let His will be done in our lives. Amen. And uh, just give God redeem the time. Give God every second of your life. Amen. I guess we're going to go ahead and we'll just go ahead and close out this session. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for our time together. You gave us something to think about. What we're doing with our life. How we're planning you into the future. In fact, Lord, you're not a slice of the pie in our life. You are the bullseye in our life. You're, you're the one that sits on the throne of our heart. You should have complete control of what we do. We don't just fit you in. God, thank you that we can, we can open up the throne of our heart. We can, we can say, please sit on that throne, Lord. Take control of my life. And you take, take uh, control of every second, of every minute of my life, Lord. It's yours. And Lord, help me to do good and to be wise and to redeem the time. Fill you, fill every second of it with what you want from our lives. Lord, we're preaching to the, talking to the people here that are very faithful. Lord, we can all do a lot better. And some of us may be even struggling in some areas. Let's just give it to God. Let's just get it under the blood. And uh, we don't know what's coming. So let's, Lord, let's walk with you and, and wake up and shine the light out into a dark world. So we love you, Lord. And uh, I do pray that everything is okay with the O'Keefe's.
I lift them up to you, Lord. Um, I pray that whatever last-minute thing came up, that it's uh, under the, under your control. So, God, we just pray for the O'Keefe family now. And uh, thank you for meeting with us through the testimonies. It's good to hear how God, how you're working in our lives. And we love you and we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.